This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 36. How much does that truly cost? Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast. Helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, everyone, to our latest episode from Not Your Average Financial Podcast. Um, I am your host, Holly Bach, and with me here in the studio today is Katrina Willis. Hello. And Mark Willis. Hello. And so we just want to thank you all for joining us here today. And we've really been spending these last couple episodes kind of, uh, you know, peeling back the curtain a little bit and, and kind of diving into uh, different topics relating to, you know, diff- different people's concerns and biases and things of that nature, just trying to help kind of bring some greater light and greater clarity um, to this whole topic of, of whole life insurance and how it can be used, you know, for people's um, financial well-being beyond just a death benefit. And so one of the you know most common things we'll hear are, are comments of and relating to you know it being expensive or not being very transparent and its cost, you know, I think it's expensive compared to this or compared to that or you know just all these different types of comments. And so what we wanted to do was spend an entire episode kind of diving into that specific topic and kind of fully peeling back um, that curtain in a way. And so, you know, we've, of course, shared in in previous episodes the devastating effect of fees and commissions that are really wrought on, you know, most Americans' financial plans. And so, you know, maybe compared for other, you know, other types of plans, but what about bank on yourself? How does bank on yourself truly compare? And what kind of, you know, cash does a properly designed whole life policy pay as commission to, you know, bank on yourself authorized advisor like like us? And so today we want to kind of dive into that, pull back the curtain. And I think you guys might be a little, might be a little floored, might be mm. a little surprised. Yep. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we of course, you know, this is kind of a little bit of an aside, but, you know, it is sometimes kind of frustrating, you know, that even after some of our most recent regulations, um, you know, even just back in, you know, 2012, we still really don't have much transparent transparency in, of fees and commissions from Wall Street. I mean, you know, the, the stats that we were sharing kind of towards the beginning of our very, very first couple podcast episodes, those are things most people didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think that there's, there's something to be said for needing some greater clarity there. But at the very least, you know, we can be clear and we can have transparency in what we do. And so so ironic because the big objection I hear is, well, whole life insurance is just this black box and you have no idea what it, when, when I can show, and I, I'm sorry, but if I can show someone the exact results of a financial instrument like whole life insurance and show them what the costs are to the penny, is that a black box? I don't think so. You no, know, but, that's a contractually yeah. guaranteed contract. Yeah, that's about <laughs> as clear a box as I can find. But Yeah, no, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Um, but I think kind of the very first thing we might want to start with and the first question we might want to ask is, you know, is it a crime to be paid to build financial solutions? And so, you know, Mark, why shouldn't we just get all of our retirement for free? Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if we could just have like a, uh, you know, every so often a blimp fly over our our, uh, town and just dump (laughs) money out of the the blimp, 
That'd be great. Well, until everyone else got their money, and then everything would just cost ten times as much, I guess. But you know, but yeah, you know, think about other free things in our society. Like, let's talk about the public library. Just picking that as as a random idea. Somebody, somebody had to pay for those books, pay for those folks there at the library to shelve the books.、Uh, would you want to know who paid to select the books that your kids are reading? Maybe. Would you want to know who's influencing the、uh, library to fill their shelves with certain books and not other books? Would you care to know that your library would be there and also a, you know, like a safe, secure place to go and read or send your kids on the summer vacation when you wanted to go visit the library? Or would you want to know that the librarians were being paid fairly for the work that they're doing? I, you know, so even free things, quote unquote, free things, cost money somehow to operate and run. I mean, so so we kind of have a quote free retirement plan in this country. It's called Social Security, and so no financial planner had to set that up for you. It was just sort of given to you when you were born. You got a Social Security number. So how are we doing with that free retirement、uh, <laughs> project? <laughs> well, how financially solvent is Social Security?、Uh, the current estimates, and this is the government's own estimates, says that not only are we breaking even. Not only are we, you know, maybe we're posting great profits. No,、uh, the current estimates are that we are 12.5 trillion dollars. It's it's inconceivable to even think of how much money that is. 12.5 trillion dollars in the negative, in the hole. That's the government's own numbers. And by the way, that grew about 10 percent just last year.、It、grew another 1.2 trillion dollars just last year. This is a runaway train disaster waiting to happen. So I don't know what the future holds. I I don't suspect we're going to see a just absolute wiping clean of the Social Security project. But and you know I don't think we're going to see a very financially solvent free retirement plan anytime soon. And by the way, there's no one really there to help you with that Social Security project either. When when are you supposed to take your benefits? What about spousal benefits?、Uh, you know these are things that really no one's there to help you with. It's the the、uh, library concept all over again. There's no such thing as a free library. No one. Uh, really believes that, and there's no such thing as a free retirement vehicle. So we get what we pay for, or in this case, don't pay for when it comes to Social Security. Well, technically, we pay for Social Security out of our employment. That's right. Yeah, yeah, it comes from somewhere. It's not totally free. I just wanted to put the fine print. But you're not paying someone to set it up. That's correct. You know, you're working forty quarters, and it comes out of your paycheck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do we have to pay what Wall Street is charging? Oh, that's a good question. Do we even know what they're charging? Yeah, that's that is a great qu- both of those great questions. Yeah, half of all respondents to an Economic Benefits Research Institute survey said they didn't even know that there were fees on their 401k. You know, there's you know there's 14 pages disclosing all these fees, but you know according to this survey, almost half didn't even know that there was a fee on their 401k. Wow,、well, that fee is almost always in the one percent range. Sometimes it's a little more. Um, so let's say you're going to grow your money in the market for 35 years, and over that time, you get a seven percent return. How much of your account value will be eaten up by those fees? Well, I hope you're still sitting down because, according to the Department of Labor, fees of only one percent per year can slash the value of your savings by 28 percent over the next 35 years. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> that. That's. I just feel like that's not what anyone would expect. You know, you you ask someone that 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 question, and they'll say, "Oh, well, I'll just get, you know, one percent 
1% less because I had a 1% fee. And that's just not the case. And it's it's because of compounding. You know, and compounding really is is a thing of beauty. I mean, I think we've already shared multiple times the Einstein quote, um, you know, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Um, and that's true when it's working for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, compound fees, this shows that compound fees get really ugly really fast. Right. Even these low-cost index funds uh, that are very popular today. In fact, there's more index funds than there are stocks at this point, which I think says a lot about the market. Uh, but there are even low-cost index funds don't help. Uh, one very popular, wi- widely held fund uh, if you dumped a $100,000 investment into that index fund and held it for 30 years, you'd lose almost 23%. That's one out of every $4 that you had in that account would be just vaporized gone to some investment fund manager who's passively managing your money, not really doing anything with it. Uh, so another popular index fund would devour more than 37% of your money in 30 years. That's more than one in $3 gone, just gone. Somebody's getting rich. Right, that that dollar didn't just you know get thrown in a fireplace. Somebody got rich. It wasn't you. So in 2012, the government forced new transparencies on some of these fees. But the quote transparency back to that paper uh, black box again. Uh, the, that transparency must be this tissue thin paper that they stuff at the back of your 401k benefit binder, uh, because most folks still don't really know how to compare or clearly understand what they're going to be paying for what they're investing in. We can get clear, understandable cost structures from uh, an energy star rating on a refrigerator, you know, on our light bulbs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so why can't we get the same on our investments? <laughs> um, the, the closest thing we can find to this is the FINRA Fund Analyzer. And we'll put a link to the FINRA Fund Analyzer in the show notes at nyafinancialpodcast.com. Oh, it's, it's a really neat little tool, and it's buried deep in the FINRA website, but uh, we've found it's helpful for our clients to at least know what they're going to have to cough up over 30 years with average rates of return. So, you know, Wall Street, financial entertainers, uh, financial gurus like Dave Ramsey and others love to talk about how filthy rich these folks who use dependable, guaranteed financial solutions like life insurance, such as Bank on Yourself, fixed index annuities, and other things like it, I love to talk about how just just rolling in the dough these insurance providers are. And honestly, when I think about it, I don't know about you guys, but I really can't think of any insurance agent or financial advisor that uses these guaranteed solutions uh, who's just driving around in like a, you know, Lamborghini, uh, diving into his mountain of gold like Scrooge McDuck. You know, whereas we've had plenty of examples of folks like from the Wolf of Wall Street movie and other movies like Wall Street and Greed. Uh, and others that have just shown what fees can really do to help financial advisors retire before their clients do. So we wanted to settle this debt once and for all. We're going to include a pretty awesome image, and we just can't do it justice just purely by audio. So this is one of those episodes. We highly recommend those that are subscribed to our podcast to also click on the show notes. We'll include this image in our show notes and walk you through this in, in detail. But we've got a year-by-year breakdown of the, the, the commissions that would be paid, Uh, Regardless of where you put your money, there's going to be a cost, so let's talk about it. So in this case, we have someone who's 35 years old who wants to know where he should put his money. He can afford to save a thousand bucks a month. Where's it going to go? What's the most cost-efficient way to save and grow your cash if you're this person? So let's look at, first off, let's look at an investment brokerage account, okay? So we could talk about this being a 401k or IRA, but let's just look at a pure and simple investment brokerage account. 
And let's say that this brokerage account has a 1% assets under management fee on his funds, which is pretty typical. And those investments are, are invested in all equity funds. So these would be things like ETFs, index funds, mutual funds, and maybe some just common stock as well. And let's say over 30 years, we get a 3.98% real return. Why did I pick 3.98? Well, that's the real results of actual investors according to the 2017 Quantitative Analysis of Investment Behavior Study that a third-party research firm did, uh, Dalbar. We talked about the Dalbar report in previous episodes. But 3.98% is the real return of folks who are directly investing in equities and things like we're talking about here, ETFs, mutual funds, et cetera. If you had a higher return than 3.98% over 30 years, you just have higher fees. So we're really trying to give Wall Street the benefit of the doubt here, <laughs> trying to keep their fees cheap. All right, so let's say that in addition to these, uh, in, in addition to these investments, this gentleman's gonna also need to purchase some term insurance, right? So we can compare apples to apples to the whole life insurance option. And what I did was I looked at year 15, since we're doing this over a 30 year schedule here, I wanted to see what would the death benefit on the whole life insurance be on year 15. So we can look at this halfway through the experiment. And the reason why I had to choose a specific year on whole life is the way we design the whole life insurance with Bank on Yourself is the death benefit grows each and every year. So we really can't have a steady level term and have a increasing whole life policy. It just doesn't compare apples to apples. So we just had to pick one. So I picked halfway through the experiment to give us a halfway point to try our best to keep up with what the whole life policy was doing. So we bought some term insurance at $850,000. Now let's set up a properly designed dividend paying whole life insurance designed for maximum cash accumulation and minimum commissions and fees. We'll just call that bank on yourself for short. That's the kind of work that we would set up for our clients. How much does the insurance cost? How much does the investments cost? Well, let's look at this in terms of just pure insurance fees and costs. In the first year, the whole life looks like a real sucker move, guys. Not gonna pull any punches here. The commissions that the advisor got was $2,626. That was paid for by the insurance company, okay? All right, so, you know, Mr. Gentleman X here puts $12,000 in and the advisor got paid about $2,626. Whereas the investment account plus the term insurance commissions, right? Since he, you know, this guy also bought some term insurance was $1,572. So that's interesting, right? So in the very first year, the insurance guy is coming out ahead, making, he's able to take his family on the extra vacation or whatever. Mm -hmm. About 1100 bucks more. Right, mm-hmm. Add to that, the whole life cash value is less than the investment account value. So the whole life policy only had 7,025 uh, $7, bucks, which is pretty stinking good for whole life insurance, but still it's less than the $12,000 that he paid in over the year. With me on all that so far? Mm -hmm. All right, so the investment account had $10,906, okay? Because we had to pay 1,100 bucks or so for 1,400 bucks actually for the uh, term insurance. So again, we're, we would have been better off in year one throwing it all in the market and buying term. What's going on here? Should we change the name of our podcast? <laughs> All right, so the way the whole life is designed, it's meant to front load most of those costs and fees and commissions in the first few years, and then it drops away. In fact, in year four, you know, Gentleman X is still putting in that same thousand bucks a month, and the cash value grows more than his contributions. So he put in 12 grand, the cash value grew more than $12,000. So at that point, 
who's paying who for the death benefit of over half a million bucks that he enjoyed that year. That's incredible. So by year four, I don't want to say his costs are gone because that's not technically true, but in reality, the functional reality is he got more increase on his cash value than he put in there in terms of contributions and premiums. Mm -hmm. The commissions paid to the bank on yourself advisor in year four was a a whopping $166. Hope we like that vacation, right, Holly? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Whereas the investment advisor in year four got $1,953 in that year alone. That's 11 times more commissions to the guy that Dave Ramsey says is, you know, doing the very best for his clients. Youch. All right, so the big bottom line number, and again, hope you're sitting down for this. After 29 years, the whole life commissions that were paid was $6,060 over 30 years. And the total cost for the death benefit coverage, including commissions and everything, all together was 9,786 bucks. That's how much it, quote, cost you in the first three or four years. What about the 1% asset center management cost? Over 29 years, all right, same 29 year period, the investment plus term insurance project cost gentleman X $113,965. What? $113,965. That is staggering. Where's my calculator? How many times does 9,700 whatever go into 113. I actually ran that number and it's 18 times more cash, more money to the investment advisor than Holly and I and, you know, any advisor like us would be paid. 18, one, eight. Yeah. 18 times more money to the investment advisor than a bank on yourself advisor would get paid. That term insurance is looking pretty expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, maybe the returns make up for it, right? Maybe he got 18 times more growth on his money. Wouldn't that be fair, right? If he was going to pay so much more to this investment guy at Wall Street, let's take a look. All right. So the cash in the investment account, right? The brokerage account or IRA or whatever we're going to, we're going to call it a brokerage account to show you how the taxes work here in a minute. But the total investment account grew to a whopping 550149 bucks. Now, don't forget, that is awesome, by the way. Um, but don't forget, that is a taxable amount. So if we're using a brokerage account, that would be long-term capital gains. uh, And you'd end up with $440,119 if we were in a 20% cap gains whenever the guy decided to retire and pull the money out. Any questions on that or thoughts on that so far? No? I'm just in shock. (laughs) The cash value on the policy. All right. So again, we've got $550,000 taxable with the brokerage account. He's paid 18 times more money to the investment advisor for that wonderful amount of cash. What about the bank on yourself policy? Well, the cash value on the bank on yourself policy in year 29 is $624. Uh, well, $624. That's a whopper, right? <laughs> $624,354. All of that is accessible to you totally tax-free under current law. I have really nothing more to say at this point. I'd love to get any feedback from you guys on this. What do you think about all these numbers? I mean, it's incredible, you know, and this is what people people just don't realize. Um, and it's just staggering that the difference could be this great, you know, especially since so many people, I feel like, have the impression that, oh, okay, like it, it might be close, you know, mm-hmm. or, oh, well, you know, I could kind of be one way or the other. Like maybe my whole life will end up being a little bit more. Maybe my mutual funds will end up being a little bit more. No one will really ever know. 
But no. It's 18 <laughs> it's, times. It's 18 times. I mean, it's it's not just close. It's, it. I mean, the mutual fund route, I mean, just kind of blows it out of the water as far as how much more expensive it is. Um, and it just has to do with the fact that, that, that they're getting that 1% a year. And that compounds over time. As your money grows, their 1% grows. So as you're doing better, they're taking more. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's just the reality. And so it's almost like, you know, you, you don't want, I mean, you want to be doing well and you want to have your money growing. But when it just means that you're just going to pay a higher fee, that's eating up that extra growth you're getting. Mm-hmm. And that's just never the dynamic with whole life insurance. And I think that's why you can see this astronomical difference. Because the whole life insurance, yeah, it's going to take a little bit more at the beginning. But it's so that they can leave your, your cash value and they can leave your policy to grow at its own speed um, for the rest of the policy. Like, give us a little bit more now so that we can leave you alone mm-hmm. and let your policy gonna you know do what it's going to do. Whereas mutual funds look at it and they say, hey, actually, we want a little piece of that mm-hmm. the whole time. You're not escaping this, you know. Yep. And that's why we end up with numbers like this. You know, almost, you know, let's even round it up $10,000 to, you know, the, the insurance commission. And not just the commission. That's also so $6,000 to the advisor. And then looks like it, it costs thirty-seven hundred bucks to insure somebody for their entire lifetime, you know, based on these costs that we ran wow, for an ter- insurance company. Term is so expensive, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> especially when you're sixty. But in this case, especially if you're buying term and investing the rest, mm-hmm. it's this is big, big stuff. 18, 18 times, Mark. I'm really glad you ran that number. Well, in last episode, what did we ask? You know, we asked why don't people know about this? Right. And I'm sorry, you know, it, it sounds bad. It sounds like we're, you know, kind of hating on an entire industry. But, like, I can't imagine that this has nothing to do with why. Mm. You know, someone looks at their options and they say, I can make $113,000 or I can make $6,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people wonder why why aren't there more than 200 bank-on-yourself authorized advisors? Because no might... one wants $6,000. Right. <laughs> Wait, we just don't get paid very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, we're proud to work this way. I think it's in our client's best interest. We do hold ourselves to that standard. And I think that it's going to be what continues to be more and more a profitable and important way for financial advisors to work. The big question is, do our clients have the patience and desire to really dig under the, under the carpet of their financial advisor and fi- find out where all their money went? What gets me with this is a lot of what you're describing is the qualified funds that people are using for retirement through their employers. So it's not like um, it's in the light of day. It's under the fluorescence you know, with the binders. And so, of course, they're not asking the questions because they're getting a match or whatever. But, you know, I'd be interested to see that too, like comparing that 3% match or whatever they're getting to this 18 times cost difference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, is that worth it? Maybe. Well, with that in mind, I just wanted to kind of wrap that up. And again, please go to our show notes and find everything we talked about. See the numbers. Yeah, look at this chart. Yeah, absolutely. It, it really will bring, I think, a, a, a tear to your eye in either oh, a good stunning. way or a bad way. Stunning. Yeah. So uh, would you rather pay to have your money safe? I mean, don't forget the whole life insurance wasn't ever taking, you know, sucker punches from market downturns. It wasn't having to worry about what the capital gains rates were going to be in the future. 
you know, these are things that you didn't have to worry about. That We didn't even bring that up in this episode, but, mm-hmm. you know, we're just looking at the pure raw cost of this thing. And if you'd rather have your money in something that is this predictable, is this cost efficient, is this uh, transparent, if you'd like to have your money that is this, uh, you know, beautiful in terms of just a lifetime of understandable you know, growth and accessibility, then schedule an appointment with us. We'd be happy to chat with you. Uh, we're happy to run the numbers. Maybe you've got the magic mutual fund that pays zero commissions to somebody. I'd, I'd hate to see what a free mutual fund would really look like, right? <laughs> uh, so uh, come to uh, lakegrowth.com forward slash schedule, or you can go to notyouraveragefinancialpodcast.com and click on request a meeting. So thank you guys so much. This is a true uh, privilege for us to uh, have this conversation with you all. And uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.